This is the Point of Drew Podcast. Okay, my Druthers, we are back. It's your boy Z and it's your boy B. Another episode of Point of Drew coming to you live from Austin, Texas. The conference championship round just wrapped up. Uh, it was a pretty crazy weekend. Um, our Chiefs are headed back to the Super Bowl, baby. Yes, sir. Another episode of Point of Drew and another year back in the championship for the Kansas City Chiefs. Our boys are in the Super Bowl again, man. It was an exciting weekend. Uh you know, I, I was a little bit surprised at the outcome of the first game. And, I mean, the way it ended was pretty exciting. Uh, but then the Chiefs just came out and dominated. That game wasn't even close. So, I was excited to see them come out like that. Um, but we'll dive into all of it. I uh, wanted to start off first, as always, with Jersey Corner. This is uh, Jersey Corner 19. So, uh, Barton, I'll let you go first. Any uh, honorable mentions for the Jersey 19? Yes, I, I have a couple here, um, but I'm going to start off by saying we're in a weak stretch in terms of uh, how the numbers go. Um, so if you're a young athlete, I said this on the last, last episode, I'm going to say it again. If you're a young athlete, pick number 19 because no one, there's no iconic athletes that have worn 19 that I can really think of. Um, but I'll shout out a couple here. We'll, we'll, we'll always start. It's, this is the show. This is the Point of Drew podcast. So. You know, we'll we'll uh, we'll appease the listeners here and give a couple honorable mentions. The first being another chief, Joe Montana, Joey Mountains. We spoke about him earlier. He wore 19 for the Chiefs um, for a couple of years. You know, didn't have his best seasons. We spent most of his career, um, you know, with the 49ers, but still had a couple good years in Kansas City. So I'm gonna have to shout him out at 19. Uh, also, I own that jersey, so couldn't couldn't not put it out there. Uh, and then my my number two. This one, I mean, no-brainer for me. Keyshawn Johnson, uh, a big personality, a great receiver. Um, some may call him a diva, some may not, but put a lot of good seasons into that Panthers uniform wearing number 19. Um, was probably not as good as Steve Smith in terms of the, uh, you know, we're, we're talking record books for the, for the franchise, but Keyshawn Johnson was damn good. Um, and his son, Keyshawn Johnson Jr., he's on the up too, so. Uh, another shot he, he may he may just throw on 19 we'll see yeah there's some good ones like always like the uh kc shout the jersey you own with montana there so that's a good little uh shout to him um a couple of honorable mentions on my side of things uh the baseball player robin yount i never know if you, you pronounce it yount or yunt but uh the longtime milwaukee brewer hall of famer he repped 19 um, and then another shout out is Johnny Unitas, the legendary quarterback, uh, three-time MVP for the Baltimore Colts. Uh, so definitely going way back for that. But Unitas has always kind of been thrown around as one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Uh, you know, uh, I saw ESPN did a thing where they actually ranked Unitas as the best ever quarterback of the first 50 years of the sport um so pretty cool for for uh johnny you but uh those are the two shout outs i got for 19 
like both of those, man. You got you got to give Montana a look there, and, and Unitas as well. It's that's awesome. Hey, I guess Yount is in there as well. So hey, Yount or Yount, we'll, we'll we'll find out at some point. If any of the listeners know, please please cue us in on that. But uh, I guess I'll jump in here. We'll get, we'll get rid of nineteen quick. My number one player to wear the jersey number nineteen. I think it might be the same as yours, Tony Gwynn. Uh, legendary career, uh, almost twenty seasons. In the MLB, was a 15-time All-Star, uh, a legend, eight-time batting champion in the NL. Um, just did was really kind of a, a fixture in terms of uh, the San Diego Padres as a franchise. Is kind of the face of that, um, and and was one of the best MLB players I think ever. Uh, I, I really believe that. Um, and so Tony Gwynn is my best to ever do it at 19. Don't have much else to say past that. I love that Tony Gwynn, man. Definitely, uh, definitely a legend. But I went a different direction with this. My winner to uh, a Hooper, the best New York Nick of all time, possibly Willis Reed. Uh, two-time Finals MVP for the Knicks. He was a part of those uh, 1970 and 1973 Knicks championship teams. Um, and he's the only player to win finals MVP in a Nick uniform. Um, you know, the Knicks being the legendary franchise, they are only having one guy to ever win finals MVP is a, a pretty big feat. So Willis Reed definitely gets the nod for me, the captain best everywhere. 19. Okay. That'll do it. Z has Willis Reed, the Nick. And I've got Tony Gwynn, the Padre. Those are the best to ever do it at 19. Uh, pretty weak number, but, hey, we'll, we'll take what we can get. Not the best number, but two, uh, two legends for sure. So definitely shout out to those guys. Uh, coming up next, we're going to dive right into it. The uh, you know championship games just ended this weekend. We're going to break it all down, but first we got a word from our friends over at Shug's Bagels. This episode of Point of Drew is brought to you by the one, the only, Shug's Bagels. Termed by many as the new breakfast of champions, Shug's will be open all week long, serving up their famous bagels, rolls, wraps, and burritos. What? Yeah, you heard me. Burritos. Go check out their new special, Miguel's Burrito. Spicy chorizo, golden hash browns, juicy peppers and onions, and pepper jack cheese, all snugged up in one of their delicious wraps. Go show them some love on social media at Shug's Bagels and pay them a visit in Park City's Village right near SMU campus. Shug's Bagels, the new breakfast of champions. All right, Martin. The Chiefs, your Chiefs, my Chiefs, the People's Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. Uh, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but it, it wasn't even that close of a game. The Chiefs came out dominant. Um, you know, the Bills going into this game, I thought the Bills were going to put up a, a really tough fight. And I mean, you could tell the Bills are a scrappy team. They're a tough team and uh, they're no easy out, especially, you know, in the playoffs. I thought they were uh, going to be a really tough matchup, but the Chiefs were able to do it in pretty commanding fashion. What did you think of the game? It was uh, the first quarter, I'd say first half, I guess, a little bit of a roller coaster, but man. Felt pretty comfortable um, in the second half. I'm not going to lie. Felt felt pretty safe. Got the warm and fuzzies inside. Felt felt like we were headed back to a, a, another Super Bowl, which we are. Um, that first quarter, a little, a little nerve-wracking. I know Buffalo, they had a lot of talk coming in. 
people were very high on them. People were very dismissive of the Chiefs, um, which I think they will now uh, understand that that should not be um, something that they really do again. Uh, but yeah, the first quarter, man, I mean, it was a little sketchy, I would say. You start out, Bill's driving, um, you know, made some plays, ended up, ended up, Chiefs ended up holding to a field goal, but still were able to move the ball down the field. And then Miko, Miko, my guy, the Jet, he uh, he made a big mistake and muffed a punt and basically got the the Bills. It should have been up 10-0, but they, they missed the extra point there and go up 9-0. A lot of miscues in the first quarter for the Chiefs, but, um, you know, other than that, Miko punt, we dropped the pick. Tyreek got deep and, and dropped the ball there. Um, that, that, that play I also want to hit on too for, for a quick second here, that first Chiefs drive that ended up in a punt, uh, Tyreek Hill won that matchup against Trey White down the field. Trey White actually had outside leverage. Tyreek just runs by him. I mean, it, it goes to show how, how quick and, and actually, uh, dominant Tyreek is. He didn't even have the route run, but just ended up making, making it work at the last second, still ended up dropping it, but. Um, that was a play I think was important in the first quarter just because that it really stalled the Chiefs out on that first drive. Buffalo was able to go up 10-0, but um, as we ended up seeing it, it just didn't really matter. Mahomes, too good. Uh, Chiefs offense, too good. And surprisingly enough, Chiefs secondary really came to play tonight. Yeah, I mean, the, the secondary definitely was there, but I, I was also impressed with the Chiefs pass rush as well. So, um a stat i uh was kind of blown away by the chiefs defense pressured josh allen on 27 of his 57 dropbacks which is 40 47 of his dropbacks he was pressured um that is the most pressures for a quarterback in a playoff game since espn began tracking quarterback pressures in 2009 wow. um so yeah and even further on that same stat the chiefs uh pressured josh allen on 10 of 12 third down dropbacks um so that i mean that's huge for the chiefs i think one thing one area they've struggled in all year is pass rush um so i mean this is definitely the right time for that pass rush to be coming alive especially um when it comes to the uh the matchup uh in the super bowl we know that's a quarterback who can pick apart a defense if he's not pressured so i like seeing that out of the chiefs i mean you mentioned the secondary playing really well um and they did and everything just came together after they got down 9-0 in that uh, first quarter off a mistake you rarely see out of a, a really solid Chiefs special teams unit. Um, so I, I'm with you when you said that second half was really comfortable. The Chiefs really just found their groove, stuck with it. And, um, you know, I w definitely wasn't sitting around sweating this one out like I was against the Browns. Yeah, man, Mahomes went out and did his thing, and we know he can do that, and I don't want to – you know, make light of that by any means, but really I think it was the Chiefs defense that made the difference here. The pressure was awesome. Uh, still want to see a little bit more out of our guy, Frank Clark, but Chris Jones, Alex Okafor, Tano Posse, you know, that crew getting pressure on Josh Allen. He never really got comfortable. You could tell um, he was really not in his bag at all. Uh, and the secondary more than anything, I think a lot of the the, the, the pressure was due to coverage sacks and coverage pressures because, mm -hmm. um, man, that secondary came to compete tonight. Charverius Ward, Juan Thornhill graded out as the highest secondary player um, in the game. He, he balled out. Yeah. Uh, you saw Brashad Breeland play a great game. Really, the whole Chiefs secondary 
came together. The, the rookie, LeJarrius Sneed, everyone looked good. Um, and I think that had the biggest impact on the game. I will say coming in, as, as most listeners know, I have grown to become quite fond of the Bills. I, I have a lot of respect for that franchise, a lot of respect for, for that quarterback, Josh Allen. And I don't think this is a, an indictment on him as a player by any means. Uh, he ran into a great, great team today. Uh, I will say, though, this is an indictment on all those talking heads, Colin Coward, et cetera, who, you know, wanted to really ride the Bills hard that last month of the year. We're so high on the Bills, basically dismissive of the Chiefs. Um, and, of course, Coward likes to walk it back uh, a couple of days before the game because he, he understands what's coming. But um, still, everyone that was high high on the Bills, uh, I don't blame you, but you, you got to be smart in that No. Healthy Patrick Mahomes isn't going down at home. Yeah, I mean, he just isn't. The Chiefs are maybe the most dominant franchise in sports right now. Um, and it obviously is because of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, um, you know, just talking about the Chiefs' dominance, uh, you know, we're one offsides call away from being in three straight Super Bowls. We've hosted the AFC title game three years in a row. We're now going to the Super Bowl for the second year in a row after winning it last year. I mean, the Chiefs are really dominating the sport. And, and obviously, there are competitors. There are teams like the Bills who you think can give the Chiefs a good run. There are definitely some teams out there that uh, on any given Sunday could come out and shock the Chiefs. But if everything plays the way that it, it is expected to go, there really isn't a team, especially in the AFC, that could beat the Chiefs if the Chiefs are playing their best game. Yeah, kind of, I think we, I don't know if we said this on the pod or not, but at least in, in person, when the Chiefs play their best game, whether it's the Packers, man, whether it's the Saints, Bucks, I don't care. Uh, could be a team in the, any team in the AFC. Chiefs are 10 points better than any team in the league when they play their game. And I know people listening there probably hear, heard enough. I get it. Um, you know, we, we are Chiefs homers, but it's the truth. I think you can at least recognize that when this team plays their best game, when this offense is going like they're going, and when that secondary plays that dominant of a game, they're shutting down Stephon Diggs, who is a tier one receiver in the, in this league. Um, you just won't come out with the win. With the game plan they have, uh, their ability to cover in the way they did, uh, the deck is really, really stacked against you. And so it would have been a miracle the way the Chiefs performed that if Buffalo could pull it out and so it's no surprise to me that uh, the Chiefs and and, and uh, Chiefs Kingdom, Arrowhead Nation, they're headed back to uh, the Super Bowl for the second straight year. Yeah, I, I love what you said there. And, uh, you know, when we do talk about how good that Chiefs offense is and the driving force of it all is obviously Patrick Mahomes. Um, really begs, begs the question, Patrick Mahomes is about to face Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time in the Super Bowl, but – is there a way that, that Mahomes can catch Brady? I mean, there's obviously a way to do it, but, um, you know, do you see a path there for Mahomes to, uh, to really catch up to Brady, who's now back in his 10th Super Bowl? It's a great question, and definitely one that I think will be debated quite a bit over the next two weeks uh, leading up to the matchup. I personally think he can. I think he's kind of on pace as is. Um, Mahomes, three years as a starter. This will be his second Super Bowl appearance. Uh, he's right on pace. Brady made uh, three Super Bowls in his first four years, first season, first four seasons as a starter. 
Um, so Mahomes right on pace in terms of uh, playoff accolades, getting to the, the, the big game. Uh, Brady, like I mentioned there, made those three Super Bowls in his first four years and then had a decade gap before winning those next three. He's at six now. Um, he, he's somehow making his 10th Super Bowl as a, as a professional. It's, it's been a crazy resume for him, but Mahomes making two in, in those first three seasons as a starter. He's got Andy Reid, a healthy Andy Reid, who should be around. He just signed an extension. Um, he's got the playmakers around him. He's got Brett Veach. He's got Clark Hunt. Uh, man, this is – people have been saying it, but it's, it's got to be the next dynasty. If Mahomes can stay healthy, if they can maximize that window with Andy Reid, then, yes, I do think from a, a player efficiency standpoint – uh, Mahomes is already better. He's got a better QBR in both the regular and postseason um, than anyone ever in the NFL. And so um, from a statistical and efficiency standpoint, I think Mahomes will eclipse Brady. From a win purely winning standpoint, I think he's on track. So uh, I'll let you guys do the math, but I think it's going to be pretty close. Mahomes improves to 6-1 and one now in the playoffs, uh, 17 TDs to two interceptions. And so that's pretty damn good. Uh, hell of a start to his career and I think it's only going up from here yeah I couldn't uh, I can't even add anything there I think you really hit it all hit it right on the head there um, you know Mahomes really is, is building a legacy building it quickly and it's uh, it's definitely a lot of fun to watch so uh, you know everyone can debate on who's the greatest who's the best if the you know the the Chiefs are really the most dominant team there is in the NFL but at the end of the day just enjoy it, man, because Mahomes is one of the most fun players in any sport that, that we've ever gotten a chance to watch. So I'm loving it. But, uh, you know, uh, enough of the Chiefs for a second. We do need to uh, move on to the second game, which actually the, the first game of the day yesterday where we did see the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, knock off the Packers. Um, and, you know, it did kind of come down to the end, but the Bucs got off to a heart's hot start. Um, and you know, Brady kind of struggled in that second half, but the, uh, the Buccaneers were able to overcome it in large part due to their defense. Um, but the first question I really have about this game for you, Barton, um, you know, was this Buccaneers win more about Tom Brady or more about the way the Buccaneers defense stepped up against Aaron Rodgers? That's a pretty easy one to answer. It's uh, I thought the win was pretty much built on the Buccaneers defense and the way they performed today. Uh, five sacks, three coming from Shaquille Barrett, two coming from JPP. They got after Rodgers, which as we knew from their first meeting earlier in the season, they had to do to have a chance in this game. They got after the quarter, but they got after Rodgers early. They got after him often. They were able to bring him down quite a bit. Um, and their ability to kind of force turnovers and control the game here. Um, two fumbles for Aaron Jones. That was, I think, probably what cost Green Bay the game, unfortunately. Uh, sucks to see Aaron Jones leave the game injured after, after that second fumble, but forcing those two turnovers. Rodgers did throw a pick as well. Uh, the Bucks defense really came out and, and, and were the difference makers here. Um, as we saw, Brady, he was good. They hit on some big plays, sure, 
Um, that's what this Bucks offense does. They're not built on methodical, slow drives. They are built on big plays. And they did that. They hit that a couple times, and most notably the one before the half with Scotty yeah. Miller. Uh, but Brady came up in the second half and threw three interceptions. Almost could have cost them the game if if uh, if the Bucks defense didn't didn't stay stingy and really keep uh, keep the Packers held down for most of that second half. Keep uh, keep Rodgers in check. And so I'm um, I'm chalking this one up to yes, Brady affects winning in a way that we can't really. Um, it's, it's really hard to quantify. I think it's, it's more of an abstract thing, Brady, just the effect that he has on teams. I think he can kind of carry them and, and build them up to a way where they, uh, they somehow get the W, but um, I think this one's, this one's most uh, mostly contributed to that Buccaneers defense. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought uh, the Buccaneers defense definitely was the uh, biggest difference maker in this game. But I think some of it, too, was the play calling and the coaching. I thought uh, Arians came out with a great game plan and loved the aggressiveness that he had, especially, uh, I mean, you mentioned that play late in the in the uh, second quarter, right before halftime, when you're thinking the Bucs are going to just run a quick out, try and get, uh, you know, they had six seconds on the clock. You're thinking, okay, quick out, hit the sideline. Maybe there's two seconds left on the clock and you're going to kick a field goal. And they said, hell no, we're going for this out of nowhere, caught everyone in the building off guard, everyone watching at home off guard and, and went for the long ball for the touchdown right before the half. I mean, even the Packers secondary had no idea that was coming. Um, and it's that kind of aggressive, aggressive play calling that Arians brings that I think really gave the, uh, the Bucks the edge in this game. Um, because especially at the end of this game, we saw uh, some conservative play calling, you could say, from Matt LaFleur. Uh, his decision to uh, take the field goal, take those three points at the end of the game um, instead of go for it on fourth down while you're in the red zone. Um, and, you know, that's been what's debated all day. I've been hearing people talking about, was it the right decision to kick? Should they have gone for it on fourth down? You're down eight points with just over two minutes left. You say Aaron Jones fumbles could have been the reason for the loss. Other people are blaming the decision to kick down eight points for the loss. What was the reason the Packers lost this game on their end of things? What were, what was the biggest mistake from the Packers? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I do think a lot of it was the turnovers. Like we said, kind of before this game, um, the only way the Bucks were getting a W is if they were able to force turnovers like they were last week against New Orleans and they were able to come in in this game and do that, forcing three turnovers against the Packers. Um, that said, I, I do think a big part of it was the conservativeness of the play calling. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily why the Packers lost the game. I think the turnovers are, are really the reason why they fell short here. But I do think they would have a lot better chance of winning the game, forcing overtime, uh, leaving it up to chance really. Uh, giving themselves a better chance to win it if Lafleur is able to put the ball in Rodgers' hands and give them a chance to at least tie that game. We, we've heard about it a lot, right? Down eight, why kick a field goal? Why? I was saying, why? Why are you doing it? Um, didn't make a lot of sense to me, but that's ultimately what they went with. And you know, I'm sure moving forward that uh, they'll they'll choose the other route uh, and and try and try and get eight instead of set of five in those situations moving forward. Weird, weird decision from a guy like LaFleur, who's been 
very consistently a fourth down, let's go for it, let's move the chains, I trust my quarterback type of guy. Um, ultimately decided to go against his his uh, mantra and pretty critical moment. So it's weird decision, but I don't know if that was the reason why they lost. I'm, I'm more deferring to, hey, uh, the turnovers were the main reason. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. And in the moment, you and I were disagreeing on that play. I was saying, hey, smart of the Packers. Let's take these points. They just need one stop. They were going to get the kickoff before the two-minute warning, so they're going to have an extra timeout. Um, so in the moment I was saying, take those three points, kick the field goal and then try and get the ball back with a stop. Um, but now I've, you know, everyone's talking about it and I can definitely see the, the analytics favor, you know, going for it on fourth down. Uh, you know, the numbers suggest that the Packers have been the best red zone offense in the league. They've been the best, uh, fourth down red zone offense in the league as well. Um, and so once I start seeing all those and, you know, looking back on it, it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback and say, Hey, you know, they should have gone for it. It's what all the analytics say it's whatever. But in that moment, I was saying, take those three points, kick the field goal. Like they did. Um, obviously I was wrong. Maybe LaFleur was wrong as well. Uh, but it is what it is. And at the end of the day, I don't think that's what you can blame the loss on. I'm with you when you say that it's the turnovers that came to bite them. I agree. I think that's, uh, you know, what really did them in, gave them the loss. I don't think you can blame it all on one decision late in the fourth quarter. Although it's a big decision, it's still not the reason that they are, uh, you know, not moving on to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think you and and LaFleur's logic is right. I mean – you still got to get the two point conversion, even if you are able to convert a, a fourth and long there uh, and leaving all it up, leaving the game up to one play at that point uh, with the two point conversion is, is really rolling the dice. I just think if you're able to get the game tied, that changes the entire complexion of what the other team and offense is going to do once they get the ball. They are now, wow, we got to go score. Uh, you know, we, this game is not over anymore. We, we don't have the luxury of sitting back on our heels and just trying to pick up first downs. And so I just think pressure matters a lot when it comes down to these last second situations and them getting that game tied, I think would, would make Tampa and Tom Arians particularly (laughs) call a little bit of a different game. and, And you may have a chance of getting the ball back in some weird, weird turnover towards the end. Yeah, I mean, and it looked like they had a shot. There was the the pass interference. It was the right call, but it's still a pass interference in a a late-game situation, and we see those go 50-50 all the time. We see refs, you know, keep that flag in the pocket, in their pocket um, on those type of plays. So just as easily, the Bucs or the uh, Packers could have forced that three and out. you know, the, the penalty was called and it should have been called. It was a pass interference, but you could definitely see a scenario where it wasn't and the Packers get the ball back. And, uh, you know, we all know what Aaron Rodgers can do with a minute 20 on the clock in the ball. I mean, those are the situations that he lives for. So, uh, hey, as a, as a semi Lions fan yourself, you know it better than anyone. <laughs> yeah, I do, unfortunately, but. Uh, you know, on another note, side note, and we, we don't need to get into it uh, 
too much on this episode, but I am actually giving up all Lions fandom. I have no faith in the Dan Campbell hire. Uh, the dude uh, talking about Biden kneecaps. I'm I'm off the Lions. Uh, you know, I hope Stafford finds a new home somewhere else where he can actually be in a good environment that produces some type of winning culture and isn't the uh, the lowly Lions that he's been stuck with for so long. Yeah, not not a lot of words on my end. Uh, I'm I'm not a fan like you used to be, I guess. But uh, I can't say it's a shocking uh, shocking to see the Lions hiring someone like Dan Campbell. It's just kind of what the what the franchise seems to seems to be into at this point. Yeah, it does. Uh, but I've got no more words for it. So anyway, let's move on. We uh, we definitely need to look ahead a little bit at the Super Bowl. Uh, I know we've already talked about it. We are going to release a podcast. It's going to be a full Super Bowl preview. Um, we'll we'll drop that the week prior to the uh, the Super Bowl game. We'll drop it sometime midweek that week. Um, but I do want to get some initial thoughts of yours, Barton. Uh, looking ahead to the Super Bowl, Brady Mahomes matchup, two and two head to head, all time between those two quarterbacks. What is your initial thought? Man, the first thing I think of is just back to that AFC Championship game two years ago. Probably the most devastating game that I've I've been at, been a part of, um, with Brady, D. Ford's first jumping off sides, giving giving the Pats a chance, and and then Brady winning the toss, going back down the field against a, a much worse Chiefs defense than uh, than it is today going down the field and just getting a touchdown. A lot of run plays on that drive as well. Uh, Sonny Michelle was eating. Um, but, man, it's it, – I think it's a lot different at this point. You know, it's, it reminds me of that game. It's, it's Brady versus the Chiefs again, but now he's in a, in a new uniform and a new conference and a new city um, and with a very different team and a very different head coach. So, uh, I'll, I'll, yes, Brady's still there. Yes, the Chiefs are still there. But uh, pretty much everything else is different. Um, I'm excited, man. It's, it should be a great matchup. I'm, I'm going to be riding the Chiefs hard, uh, as I think most people are. I think they opened up as three or three-and-a-half-point favorites, in, depending on the book. But um, pretty crazy to see Brady back, man. It's like we kind of mentioned earlier in the show, this is his 10th Super Bowl appearance. Uh, what a resume the guys put together. Um, going to a new team in a new city and, and somehow uh, getting back, winning the NFC – uh, I'm, I couldn't be more excited, but I, I I'm expecting, uh, a, a pretty, a pretty competitive game for, for a lot of it, but I, I like the Chiefs to come out on top. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's incredible what Tom Brady's doing. Like truly, truly incredible. I was a doubter at the beginning of the season. I, uh, you know, I was pretty critical of Brady after some of his performances this year. Uh, you know, preseason, I thought they'd get a, a, a you know, low wild card seed. And, you know, they were a wild card, but uh, a lot of people still saw them as a, a favorite, especially in the first round matchup. Um, you know, they were the favorite, but I, uh, I was surprised and uh, I shouldn't have been because this is what we should expect from Tom Brady, even though he's, he's 76 years old, even though he's been, you know, an incredible, incredible quarterback since the 1800s. He's still just back in the Super Bowl every single year. 
Um, this year, the Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay. Do the Buccaneers have any type of home field advantage? Sort of. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be able to practice in their facilities and roll out of bed and go right to the stadium. I think that offers some form of advantage, but like, there's not that many fans going to be there. It's already a neutral site game anyway. Uh, I don't I don't think it's going to matter all that much. Um, it is ironic, I would say, more than anything, that uh, Tom Brady goes to Tampa and, of course, the Super Bowl is in, in Tampa as well. Pretty funny. Um, but, no, I don't, I don't think there's much of a home field advantage to play here. I will say just from a matchup standpoint, though, some things I would keep an eye on. Um, Chiefs run defense is, I think, pretty obviously the worst, the weakness of this team. And Buffalo, TJ yelled in the game, right? I I, where's Devin Singer? I thought Devin Singer was kind of a good, good running back, but I guess apparently not. Buffalo could not run the ball. Uh, at all, and so they cannot exploit what really is the weakness of this Chiefs team. Contrarily, I really do think that the Buccaneers and in, in playoff Lenny, as we've seen, they've got Rojo as a second stringer. Either of these guys can can run the ball much better than than the Bucks or excuse me, the Bills can. So I do think, from a matchup standpoint, something to watch is is what Fournette and Ronald Jones can do in this game against the Chiefs running defense, like we saw in that AFC title game. With, with the Patriots in Arrowhead two years ago. The Pats won that game because they were their ability to run the ball. Um, they, they, they kept it out of Mahomes' hands uh, for most of that second half and, and were just able to grind out that game. And I think that's kind of similar. The Bucs are built on big plays. I don't think they're going to get that many of them against this Chiefs back end. Juan Thornhill, Rashad Breland. With Jerry Sneed, these guys are, are ready to come and play, even though they're matched up against a, a pretty elite receiving core with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and, and others. But I, I think the difference maker here from a matchup perspective, if, if the Bucs are winning this game, I really think Leonard Fournette's the MVP. Um, and so unless unless playoff Lenny or, or potentially Ronald Jones can come out and, and have a big night, I think, I think the Chiefs get this done and, uh, on the flip, I think, um, as I mentioned earlier, I think I, I like the Chiefs to no surprise. Um, but some a guy who's done it week in and week out and is almost underappreciated to a point at this point is Travis Kelsey. Like you can look at a, a prop of Kelsey over seven catches or Kelsey over 100 receiving yards. That's easy at this point. Like the guy's getting the ball. He had 30 catches for 120 yards in this last game like he's an absolute beast he's a matchup nightmare I'm looking at this Bucks roster and yeah they got Devin White they got some guys like Antoine Winfield on the on the back end who can maybe match up against Kelsey I don't think anyone's got an answer I think people are too preoccupied with Tyree Kill they're too preoccupied with what Mahomes might do and for whatever reason they forget about the best player um, maybe on our offense, <laughs> Mahomes aside, uh, Kelsey is just such a nightmare. And, and I think uh, if, if the Chiefs are to get it done, and I do think they'll get it done, I like Travis Kelsey to come home with MVP honors. I uh, like that pick. Um, you know, it, I saw Mahomes is the, the favorite for MVP at minus 120 in the odds. Um, but, man, if Travis Kelsey is as involved as you think he could be, uh, that's a really good pick. You know, we saw last year Mahomes did win it, but it was a close one. Um, looked like uh, Williams was going to take it home for the Chiefs. 
in a phenomenal game. I could see someone like that again, stepping up for the chiefs and uh, you know, if the chiefs do win making an, an exciting uh, decision for uh, the, the MVP award, but that's a good one. Um, but any last thoughts on the game? Any last thoughts on anything my- you saw this weekend at all? Just closing thoughts here. Yeah. So my last thought on this Super Bowl matchup, Brady Mahomes, Arians, Reed, it's going to be what should be an epic game. I think uh, the Bucks' pass rush is being talked about quite a bit. They played exceptionally well in Green Bay. Uh, a, a Green Bay offensive line that, that blanked the Rams. Yes, Aaron Donald was hurt, which matters a lot, but uh, they held up really well in that matchup and, and then really got exposed against the, the Bucks' pass rush. Uh, I think that's something to watch, but I do not think it's going to make that much of a difference. I do not think JPP and Shaquille Barrett and Devin White and those guys are going to be able to get home on Mahomes. Uh, like we've seen, the guy's just too good. He gets the ball off at all arm angles. He's able to extend the plays with his legs. Um, I don't see the pass rush making that much of a difference. So at that point, it's going to be a scoring match of, you know, hey, who's kind of got the ball last and – as, as much as uh, I respect Brady as a player, uh, as much as I respect his career, I just – he threw three picks in the last game. I wouldn't be surprised if he throws a couple more in this one. Uh, I just I just have too much confidence in Mahomes. I have too much confidence in, in Andy Reid. And it's like like Mahomes and all these guys like to say after every game, their, their level of trust in each other, they believe in each other so much that it's just – it's really tough to beat at that point, uh, their level of faith they have in each other as teammates. And it sounds kind of like player speak, like, oh, that's just, you know, their coach by their PR to say that. But I really believe in it at this point. Those guys have such a high level of belief in each other to go out and execute. Um, they do it every day in practice. They've done it week in and week out. They, I mean, if you, if you really think about it, Chiefs a couple plays away from going 16-0 and this year, even though everyone loved to talk about how they weren't doing enough. And so – uh, I think they, they're going to use that as motivation. They still will use that as motivation. Yeah, they, they kind of routed Buffalo, but um, there's still the doubters that are out there. And I think, uh, I think this is a passing of a torch game more than anything. I think this is, uh, is kind of it for Brady. Uh, yeah, he's probably got some gas left in the tank, but this is probably his last chance, his last Super Bowl. Uh, and as well as I think he might play, I think Mahomes is going to do too much and – He'll officially pass the torch from icon to icon, uh, from goat to goat, like we've been saying. And so I think uh, I think that's what this is going to shape up into being. Wow, I like it. I love it. Um, I mean, I do think you know you mentioned that Bucks pass rush could try and get in there and disrupt things. I think uh, the Chiefs might miss Eric Fisher a little bit, who uh, is out with an Achilles injury. Hope he gets healthy. You know that obviously sucks for a player like him. Um, so that could, uh, you know, help the Bucks pass rush a little bit. But I'm with you. Mahomes is just too much. He's incredible. The Chiefs team, they do trust each other. They work so well together. Every single piece on that offense complements everyone else on the offense perfectly. It's a perfect storm. The Chiefs are going to win it. Bet the Chiefs, minus three and a half. The, the Chiefs are winning it again. We're going back-to-back. Back. That's my prediction. I'm calling it right now. The Chiefs have this one in the bag. 
Yes, sir. Do you have, do you have a final score you want to throw out there? Um, we'll go thirty-one twenty-one. Man, Chiefs by ten. Okay, decisively. I like it a lot. I do say I will say one another bold prediction. Um, I like Kelsey for MVP, but in terms of defensive MVP, a guy that has really come on the scene quite a bit towards the second half of this year, particularly in this last game against Buffalo, Alex Okafor, number 57. Watch out for him. I could see him creating a, a sack fumble, um, you know, maybe have a couple tackles for loss. I think he could be a big disruptor. Not, not a guy who's talked about very much on this defensive line. Uh, it was extremely productive against Buffalo Bills, and I think he's going to keep the momentum going against Tampa in the Super Bowl. So I like Alex Okafor coming out with defensive MVP. Awesome. That's a great pick. And, um, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but we are going to do a full Super Bowl preview episode. Um, we're going to drop that the week of the Super Bowl. Uh, so everyone stay tuned for that. We'll, uh, we'll definitely dive in more to the X's and O's of what it's going to take for each team to pull off the win. Um, we'll give you some more bets. We'll look, we'll look at all the different player props that are in there, um, different angles to bet it. We'll give you the full deal, so so everybody stay tuned for that. But, uh, you know, that's going to wrap it for another episode. Yeah, we'll be back here soon to, to preview the, uh, the big game here coming up in two weeks. Uh, we'll do our best to provide some unbiased insight and analysis. But uh, as you know, Chiefs guys, we're, Zahn and I, just pumped to be back again uh, in the Super Bowl, trying not to take it for granted. So that's where it's coming from for us. We hope we don't, we don't piss too many people off with the uh, – the uh the fandom uh the, the chiefs love but uh we appreciate you guys all for listening uh another episode in the books from point of drew podcast here um thank you guys again we couldn't be more appreciative absolutely and, and you know real quick i did want to say before we go this episode we're recording it on january 25th um we'll release it tonight most of you guys will be listening on january 26th one year of uh from the passing of Kobe Bryant, man. Just want to do, uh, you know, make it known we are sending all our uh, thoughts and positivity to his family and everyone around him who knew him. So, uh, you know, definitely just uh, thoughts and positivity out there and, and let it be known that we're thinking of Kobe and, uh, and his family and Gianna and everyone else. So, uh, you know, sad way to, uh, to end the podcast, but just wanted to, uh, you know, get a few words out there, man. Rest in peace, Kobe. Yeah, man. Great shout. I, uh, I really can't believe it's been a year since, since that event. And yeah, your heart goes out to, to that family, uh, NBA fans everywhere. I know it took a toll last year. Hasn't been easy, but, uh, but RIP Kobe, we miss you, man. RIP Gigi, uh, what could have been in terms of a hooper, in terms of a person. So, uh, yeah, good shout there. It's a somber note to end it, but hey, we'll be back with uh we'll be back fired up next episode. Absolutely. Appreciate all of you guys listening. Um as you know, keep liking, keep rating, keep reviewing, and above all, subscribe. Smash that subscribe, baby. We'll see you guys soon. Go Chiefs. Peace. All right, cool. I'll cut it there. <laughs> Sorry to get sad at you. <laughs> no, it was good. I like it. I wanted to throw that in there, but 
Dude, I can't believe it's been a year since 